Pulling a few things this morning. Um, in the midst of our, well, not in the midst of, uh, our lament earlier, uh, one piece of good news, uh, if you're not Facebook friends, you may not know that Alyssa and Mike Coke had their baby three weeks early, a girl, Amelia, that's all I know. But healthy, well, back home, everyone's doing great. So uh, we rejoice with them in that. Um, so this morning, yeah, as Andy said, we're uh, concluding our short series on God's Word. When Andrea and I were courting, back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, sorry, I shouldn't have said that, should I? I'm in so much trouble. We were separated uh, by some distance for about six months, very early on in our romance. Um, and actually, I think we saw each other just once during that time. And you have to put this into context. This was before the internet. So there was no messaging. It was letters. And it was the occasional phone call, because long-distance phone calls cost a lot of money. Uh, and, and we were overseas. So letter writing. How important do you think those letters were? Pretty important. We still have them. Haven't necessarily looked at them for a long time, but we still have them. And reading and occasionally hearing each other's words pretty much was our relationship during, during that time. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at digging into God's Word, uh, the Bible. I'm encouraging you to read it. Um, the position, our church believes that the Bible is divinely uh, inspired and it's authoritative. So what is it that makes the Bible so special? And today I mean flesh, as he did with Jesus, but he appears as a person to someone. But you know, the first time we encounter the phrase, the Word of God, or actually for much of the Old Testament, it's, the word of the Lord or the word of Yahweh is in Genesis 15 verse 1 where we read that the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. And, and this word of the Lord was a powerful revelation uh, in which God bound himself to Abraham. This is the beginning of covenant. God binds himself pretty much unconditionally to Abraham. He makes these promises and demands nothing of Abraham. And Abraham believes God, and this is where we first read that it was credited to him as righteousness, which, as we read earlier in the year, uh, is really significant for us as Christians. And so this first appearance of the word of the Lord, that phrase pretty much defines what that phrase is going to mean in the rest of the Bible. And so what we find uh, consistently, it does mean what it does look like is a prophetic revelation uh, of God, usually in the context of his covenant with the people. So we find it a lot in the prophets. Uh, sometimes God is making a new covenant, but very often it's just calling the people back to the covenant he's already made. So the first time we read it is covenant with Abraham, and the next time we encounter the phrase, the word of the Lord, is in Moses' ministry. 
where God makes another covenant. Each of these covenants builds on the old. It doesn't necessarily replace it. Uh, And he makes a covenant on Mount Sinai. And then, after Moses, we find nothing for a while. Uh, uh, That's until uh, we get to the prophet Samuel. And 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 says, In those days the word of the Lord was rare and prophetic visions were not widespread. And so this is the period of the judges. So Samuel picks up just after the judges where the land is in chaos. It's not that God is completely silent. God is still appearing. He raises up judges. You have the story of Samson uh, where an angel appears to, to Samson's parents. You have dreams, you have visions, all this sort of thing. But there is no word of the Lord. There is no prophetic revelation it's almost, the people have covenant, but there's, there's no talk about that. And the place is a mess. But then with Samuel, the word of the Lord starts to appear again. And it begins with the prophet Samuel. And God is going to make another covenant. And this time he makes a covenant for kingship with King David. We have the episode with Saul. Uh, the, the people wanted a king and at first they have Saul, but then... They get the king God really wanted in David. And from then on, we hear this phrase, the word of the Lord, pretty consistently, and it picks up steam. We hear it through the books of Kings, uh, which continue the story of Israel under the Davidic kingdom until we come to the prophets, where if you read the book of Ezekiel, every chapter, and then sometimes in between chapter, starts with the word of the Lord came. And so we come to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, where the prophet writes these words. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. And so in the Old Testament, the word of God or the word of the Lord refers to God's message through his prophets. It's relational. It's not just abstract for God. This is you are my people. I love you. Let's work this out binds God to his people and it binds his people to him and it's eternal which which is something when you think about it we live in a world that is enamored by temporary things and I know that because I'm one of the people that's enamored by temporary things we get so distracted but God's precious gift to us is his everlasting word that contains his everlasting promises to us. When we come to the New Testament, the word of God changes just a little bit. Uh, It still means a prophetic revelation, but now it's a particular revelation. And of course, it's a revelation about Jesus. It's the gospel. So in Acts 4, we see this is where it really starts to be used uh, in this way, which is natural because Jesus uh, has completed his earthly work and now the the apostles are talking about it. And in Acts 4, the church starts to experience persecution uh, from, uh, we'll say the other Jews because they are Jews. Um, And so what happens is they pray and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and 
Luke says they began to speak the word of God boldly. What do you think the word of God was that was getting them so much into trouble? It wasn't just the word of the Old Testament. The rest of the Jews didn't have a problem with that. In Acts 8, the Samaritans receive the word of God and are baptized in the name of Jesus. In chapter 10, Cornelius and his household hear the gospel and we have a record of that that sermon. It's all about Jesus. They're saved, filled with the Spirit, baptized. And we read in Acts 11 verse 1, the apostles and brothers and sisters who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And so for the early Christians, for Luke, as he writes this phrase, the word of God, he's no longer thinking about the Old Testament specifically, he's now thinking about the gospel, the message of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. And what's really interesting in Acts is that in the first part particularly, but we see it juggle a little bit, is that Luke changes his language once Paul comes into the picture and takes his his gospel message to the Gentiles. So when Luke is writing about the gospel coming to the Jews, predominantly he uses word of God. When we see Paul taking the message to the Gentiles, Luke uses the phrasing, the word of the Lord. Oh, where have we heard that before? In the Old Testament. So what's going on? I don't think that's accidental or casual. I think what Luke is doing is emphasizing this continuity between the Old Testament prophets, the revelation of God there, his revelation in Jesus, his calling Israel as his special people, and now the Gentiles are included that in that as well. The word of the Lord has not only come to Israel, it's come to the Gentiles who are now included in Israel. And First uh, Peter one twenty five makes this really clear when Peter actually quotes Isaiah 40, verse 8, which we read before. Lots of verses, they're written down, there's, there's notes uh, available in the app and um, with the printed newsletter. And Peter says, the word of the Lord endures forever, that's what we read, and this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. So Peter makes that very clear, that the word of the Lord now is the gospel. And in fact, all the words of the prophets were leading up to that. Unlike the Old Testament prophets, the gospel isn't just a message from God, the gospel is embodied in a person, in Jesus. And so John begins his gospel with, in the beginning was the Word, and he goes on and says, the Word became flesh. And in Revelation 19, 13, we have this very, go and read chapter 19. I know Revelation freaks people out a bit. Key to Revelation is when you're reading Revelation, just think, where is Jesus in this? And you're probably on track. Revelation 19, 13 says, he wore a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. And so Jesus is the Word, the ultimate revelation from God the ultimate revelation of God's word and of God himself. So given the Bible talks about the word of God as prophecy 
as gospel, ultimately as Jesus himself, as the word. Why do I keep banging on about reading the Bible? Isn't Jesus enough? Well, yeah, of, of course Jesus is enough. I'm not saved by reading the Bible. I'm saved by Jesus and by faith in him and his grace to me. But it is that Jesus is revealed in the Bible. And so you might also say then, isn't it true that the Bible itself is not the word of God, but that it only contains the word of God? And if you want to get pernickety, maybe you could say that. We don't believe in, as some people might say, the Father, the Son and the Holy Bible, right? We believe in the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks and makes the word of God alive to us. So that Hebrews 4, 12 to 13 says, The word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You can't contain the word of God. It is powerful. Here's the thing. Many people have been saved by a proclamation of the gospel apart from reading the Bible. But it's still that proclamation is of the message preserved for us in the Bible and any preacher preaching the gospel is preaching a message from the Bible. And here's the thing, God has chosen to have his word preserved well originally on paper Andy mentioned the uh, version app I endorse that you know it's electronic as well it is he, he's chosen to put it into words that have been preserved for us on paper and now electronically for generations for those who would follow their original presentation and that's why there are also many who not only he, um, don't read the Bible, but hear the gospel preached, but also people who don't hear the gospel preached, but read the Bible and are changed and meet God through that in the pages of Scripture. And the thing is, we've got to remember this process of writing down the Bible actually goes way back. In Exodus 20. Uh, verse uh, 24 verse 4 we read and Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord and then in uh, verse something I've lost I've got my wrong verse number here sorry but it actually says that we, of the Ten Commandments God wrote them down on tablets himself God himself was one of the original writers of the word now we don't have those stone tablets anymore but the word of God was written down right at the start and the later prophets carry on this tradition Isaiah Jeremiah many others write down the word of the Lord that comes to them or some of their um, the people who work with them write them down for them so they're preserved for future generations in Chronicles, we start to see the word of the Lord identified with the writing. In, in Chronicles 34, 21, the, king, uh, the word of the Lord has been lost for a while. They're cleaning out the temple, which had, been, had idols and stuff set in it, and they're rededicating themselves to God. A scroll is rediscovered, and everyone's in a panic because 
The king says, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for those remaining in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that was found. For great is the Lord's wrath that is poured out on us because our ancestors have not kept the word of the Lord in order to do everything written in the book. The book and the word of the Lord start to be associated like that. By the time we get to the New Testament, Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, Above all you know this, no prophecy of Scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. No prophecy of Scripture. And then 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul says, All Scripture is inspired by God, or God breathed. In Romans 15.4, Paul writes, For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that we may have hope through endurance, through the encouragement from the Scriptures. Because at first the Scriptures meant the Old Testament, but then the writings of the Apostles were added. The Scriptures themselves are divinely inspired. The, the writings of the book and given to build up our faith for our encouragement, for our endurance. So the WA Baptist Statement of Faith says, God speaks to us through the Bible, the 66 scriptures of the Old and New Testament, being God-breathed, they are fully trustworthy and supremely authoritative in all matters of faith and conduct. God speaks through the Bible. The Bible is fully trustworthy and supremely authoritative so why do we call the bible the word of god well there comes a point where the medium originally paper now electronic documents as well where the medium but still words and that's a point god has given us these words and the medium and the message become so entwined that you can't separate them and the written record becomes the word of God for the reader. So those love letters that Andrea sent me, and I hope the ones I sent to her, are precious because they contain her words, her thoughts, her, her messages of affection to me. And in the same way, God, God's word, the Bible, is God's love letter to us, preserved for us, his thoughts, his feeling, his actions. Not every word from him, but every word inspired by him. This is what I want my people in the future to know about me, to know from me. It's God's word to us and it's precious to us. And so as the 16th century reformer, John Calvin said, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. And so this has been my experience of reading the Bible. And, you know, when a preacher preaches, often preaches to himself, I've always read the Bible, but I've sort of been reading it in a fresh way. And just finding this, that as I go deeper, I, I see the love of God written on the pages. As we read the Bible, as God's words, with that right heart, that disposition, it becomes alive to us. And as Hebrews says, it penetrates our souls. And we hear God speak through the pages 
of scripture and perhaps most importantly we see Jesus in there let's pray father we thank you for your word we thank you for your word preserved for us we thank you for the bible that you have given us this love letter may we treasure it and may it change us and inspire us and encourage us And by your spirit, make us better people. In Jesus' name, amen.